Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. Yeah, you know, we're really emphasizing this whole thing about this sermon series called Amazing Grace if you've joined us for the first time. This is, uh, I think it's week three uh, that we're going. It's uh, pretty much a five-week sermon series and then on week six, we get into the whole prayer that, you know, Rowena was sharing, how we'll come together in that week to pray. So I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, we try to, to push this purposely. I mean, usually even in the beginning of the year, um, it's not like for me to be preaching pretty much straight all the way through for the sermon series. Um, but I just really felt this year that, you know, uh, just coming in. And all of us are probably easing back into work, still trying to wake up on time to get to work, or, you know, those are st- the kids are starting to get ready to go to school in a week or two. Um, some of you that are students are, you know, getting your papers ready to, to start um, the year. So all of these things are sort of easing in. So I just thought, you know, it'd be nice for me to ease in this way to just, you know, introduce this sermon series and the seriousness of it, I guess, as a... Uh, Every nation movement worldwide, our churches all around the world are all doing this sermon series. And we're all, you know, um, speaking on this. And so, you know, it's a unified thing for us to come together as well as, as a church ministry to pray together. And um, for us, it's always about the next generation. Um, it's not about trying to build every nation's um, movement. It's not trying to build and become a big, you know, movement around the world. Um, a lot of people don't really know us, but, you know, if you know us and you've been online and you've seen what we're about, you can see where we are in the world. And so, you know, that's how, you know, we like it. Um, it's just doing God's work, you know, of making disciples, honoring him, you know, and, and um, advancing his kingdom through leadership um, and building us as leaders outside into our communities that we go and be part of. And so, you know, this sermon se- series, Amazing Grace, um, has been quite an interesting one for me as I've been preparing, um, you know, and I never take this pulpit lightly every time I, I come up and, and, sp- and speak. Uh, you know, I'm always trying to make sure that my heart is, 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 is in a right place throughout the week, even before I come up on a Sunday. Um, I'm always making sure I'm around other people during the week to, you know, just to check myself, to make sure, uh, keep myself accountable. And, um, you know, and so I'm always, you know, it's always, I don't know, been doing this for what, almost five years now as a church. And uh, you think you'd get used to it. You, you just, you, you sort of get, you still are nervous <laughs> every Sunday. I, I still get nervous every Sunday I come up. I think I've just gotten better at knowing the Bible a bit more because I'm having to look at it every week of, of studying it and studying the Word. And, and I said last week, I don't share these messages to preach at you. Uh, first and foremost, I've learned to prepare messages to preach to myself. So every time I say you, I'm referring to me, okay? It just says me, say you and me or, you know, I and you or us. You know, it just, just, just as long as I'm pointing at you, um, it may be speaking to you, I hope just as much as it did for me, okay, um, the sermon series. You know, and the focus of the sermon series is to help us learn that God's amazing grace is far greater than our sin. And as we come into 2020, you know, I pray that the series will take you to a new level, a new level of trust, and to respond 
in a Christ-like way uh, to the grace offered by Jesus for your life. Um, and I'm not too sure. This sermon might be actually a, um, a short one for me. It took me a long time to prepare it, though, um, you know, to get it, to, to condense it to this. So we'll see how we go for the next two hours that I have with you. And so, you know, this question I would like to ask, and I, I ask this question, um, I've been asking this question every week since we started. What does grace look like um, for your life this year? What does grace mean according to how the Bible teaches this word? And many of us know that this word grace, you know, we know the word grace, but the meaning of this word can still, at times, you know, it can be unclear, to be honest, um, and especially when we look at how the Bible explains it. And I shared this basic definition of the word grace last week, which means this, to be given something uh, freely and generously uh, with no strings attached. And there's a lot of different other kind of definitions around this word, but I'm going to stick to this one just to keep it nice and simple. To be given something freely and generously with no strings attached. Now, growing over the years myself as a follower of Jesus, I saw grace in two kinds of ways. And you too might have seen grace like this as well. But let me tell you now, both, both of these ways that I'm about to share uh, are two wrong ways of what grace is in our lives. And this is what I sort of believed along my journey. The first way I understood grace to be was trying to, you know, you try to gain brownie points or merits for God. I did a good deed for someone one day, and, and it would come, you know, if I do a good deed, sorry, uh, for, for someone, one day it would come back to me, and I would receive some type of reward from God in the near future. And this was what grace meant to me. In order to be in the right with Jesus, I have to do good deeds to gain merits to qualify for a place in heaven. And so, so many people think of grace this way. And even if you were to ask someone on the street of their opinion of how does someone get into heaven, they would probably tell you it is by being a good person and doing good things for others. Now, the second way of understanding how grace worked in my Christian life, which this was the most famous one out of the two for me, um, was you know, receiving a handout from God. Because I thought the grace of God, you know, was a free gift that was always taught. This means this handout was like a free pass, you know, every time I would sin. So that meant I didn't have to face any conse uh, consequences for my disobedience. So every time I committed sin in my life, I would always say to myself, man, thank, thank you, Lord, for your grace. But my life never changed after that. I just kept on sinning and doing the same sin over and over and over again. So grace in my eyes then meant permission for a sloppy and a loose kind of Christian living. That's what it meant for me. Now this morning, we will look at what the Bible teaches about um, having uh, sanctifying grace. And the correct view of how you and I should treat this idea of grace 
in our lives. Because grace is not about receiving brownie points, or it is not about living a free and sinful life, thinking it's okay because God, God's grace is a handout to receive a, a free pass every time I sin. God has given us His sanctifying grace to transform us. To transform us as we live life here together in community and as community. And I would like to turn your attention uh, to the book of Titus. Now, the book of Titus is a letter. We looked at this book last week as well. It's a letter written by a well-known follower of Jesus named Paul. And Paul, in his young adult life, was a devout Pharisee. A Pharisee is one who followed the laws of Moses and the cultural and religious traditions of Israel. And because of Paul's religious beliefs and the Pharisee laws, he, he was determined to go out and stop this new Jesus movement that was beginning to grow within his community. He would do whatever it took to stop Christianity from growing. Well, one day, Paul, his plan, it, it does not work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work out the way he expected and then he has this radical encounter with Jesus. He ends up becoming a loyal follower of Jesus. And over time, Paul is sent out to share about Jesus to people outside of his Israelite culture and his people. And he becomes the very first advocate for Jesus to the non-Jewish world. And so on Paul's travels, he meets a young Greek man, um, and his name is called Titus, who becomes a follower of Jesus and a trustworthy companion of Paul. And it is this letter titled Titus that we learn about Paul and, and how he assigns Titus to go out to one of the Greek islands called the island of Crete. Now, Crete was known to be a notorious place, a notorious for corruption, all types of violence, greed, immorality, and the cities on this island were known to be unsafe to live in. And Paul had planted churches on Crete, and over time, these churches grew. But there happened to, you know, to be a few corrupt leaders, and these corrupt leaders that made their way into the churches, claiming to be followers, but were false teachers of Jesus. And that is why Paul sends Titus on this ministry assignment, to be with all the churches there to bring order back. And Paul has written this letter directly to Titus to tell him, you know, what he needs to do and say while he's, you know, on the, Crete, uh, on the island Crete. And if you were here last week, like I said, I spoke from this letter, and I'll be referring to it again today, but from a different part of the letter. And, I'm not, and also, I'm not going to read the whole letter, I'm going to just look at a short snippet, and that snippet is taken from Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 14, 214, sorry. Now, I shared earlier, Crete was a corrupt place, and there were some false leaders coming into the churches and corrupting, you know, the lifestyle of the Cretan Christian believers. And with this influence from these false leaders in the society they lived in, some of the Christian lifestyle, Christians' lifestyle there, were becoming questionable. Questionable because some of them were beginning to live lives 
that were not consistent with the teachings and the example of Jesus. And so the beginning of Paul's letter addresses their behavior and some of their dodgy issues. But then he shifts gear. He shifts gear to focus on the believer's way of life, and he lets them know that it is possible to live a life that counters the the corrupt environment they live in and live amongst. And how was that? It was by sanctifying uh, the sanctifying grace of God. And so when we look at verse 11 here, this is what it reads. And for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. Let me add, when it says here how the grace of God has appeared, this doesn't mean that this was the first time ever, right, that God's grace appeared. It doesn't mean, bam, you know, we we can finally experience God's grace. It doesn't mean it appeared in that way. God's grace was here, you know, way before creation. What it means is God's grace has finally appeared in a physical form of a person who is our Savior, and that's Jesus. Now, the second part of this letter, uh, this, this part, you know, Paul writes how salvation, you know, salvation is being saved from sin, according to our idea of salvation in the Bible and as Christians. Being saved from sin is available to anyone and everyone through this grace that has appeared in a physical form, which we just learned is Jesus. So this line explains how all people can be saved by the grace of God. And what is this grace again? It is something given freely and generously with no strings attached. You have to understand, though, this does not mean that all people are or will be saved. Trying to gain brownie points or expecting to get away with a free pass to your sin will not work, I'm afraid. (laughs) Salvation doesn't come that way. You know, sad to say, if we were to look at many churches, churches out there, not you guys, you guys are, the, are perfect, you know, and, and Christian friends, your friends, not you, because you're, once again, you're perfect, holy, righteous. And if we were to look at many churches and Christian friends and, and examine their lives, right, you would probably find that majority of them live like this. They could be believers who strive to live for God, but in actual fact, many of them are just worldly Christians. And they live how I used to live as a Christian. (laughs) You know, trying to gain brownie points for God or looking for the free pass from Him just so I could get away with my sins and carry on living like that. This is what was happening in the churches of Crete. There were people who professed they knew God, but their actions were totally the opposite. Yet Paul's letter continues on telling the church, you know, not only can God's grace save their lives and change it, it would also enable them to live life then and there in victory. That's a sanctified life. Now verse 12, grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly lusts and desires and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. 
the reason why Christians find it difficult to live a sanctified life for Jesus is because you and I are trying to live a sanctified life in a world of ungodliness and worldly desires. Our world is saturated with sinful attitudes, ungodly values and practices. So, of course, it is going to be hard for us to live a consistent Christian life. But I need to say this. When you understand that true grace and what true grace is for your life, remember, it's not brownie points to get closer to God or it's not a free pass type of grace. The grace of God, if you can grasp the realness of it for your life, for your personal life right now, you can't be a person who, have, who has received it and expect your life to stay the same. Grace, it teaches us to say no. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly lusts. And when you understand grace is found in Jesus and you accept him as your savior, your loyalty as a warrior for him, your loyalty is now to him. It is no longer to our worldly culture or to the standards of this world. And the cool thing is, when you understand true grace, your very own life and, des and desires is willing to be loyal to Jesus. You want to be loyal to him. It, it is not forced at all. It's not brownie points. So right now, what is God telling you to say no to that is ungodly in your life today for the beginning of 2020? I've got a few. I have to think. I'm not going to share with you. It's my own issues that I've got to deal with. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll share with you when I've got victory. No, no, jokes. It's, <laughs> you're thinking, what the heck has this guy been up to? <laughs> I've been clubbing, I've been, you know, no. Is, is, is there some, you know, immorality in your life? Maybe some pride? Jealousy? How about anger towards someone? The grace that appeared, remember, in physical form, Jesus, freely and generously given with no strings attached, man, it is the same grace that enables us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. The thing that caught my attention with this verse, right, verse 12, is how the grace of God, it teaches us. That means you and I, when you've been taught something, you are now required to respond in, a, in an appropriate way. And that is to live as God has taught you. We need to make good of this grace God has given us today to motivate us to, as verse 12 continues on to say, you know, to live, what is it, uh, self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. And to be honest, this grace does not mean it is a, you know, a hang loose and live laxy-daisy as you please. 
we can't forget about the church of Crete as well. The people in these churches were accustomed to live the ways of the world that they grew up in. But because of the grace of God that saved their lives, they each had to make a choice to change and live their lives now in victory for God because they were taught. This included being corrected and disciplined. That's hard for us. (laughs) It included instructing them um, in godly living. This was the whole purpose of Paul's letter, to teach them how to say no to sin and say yes to living for God. If you choose to live in the way that Paul describes in these Bible verses just shared, denying ungodliness and worldly desires and, you know, living sensibly, righteously and godly in the midst of your family and friends and work colleagues, colleagues, be prepared for people who are not followers of Jesus in that crowd that you are amongst. Be prepared that they will look at you and think you're weird. You're weird because you don't do the same things that they do. There was one occasion um, uh, in one of the bands that I used to play uh, when we were traveling. And we would travel and, and do overnight stays. And sometimes there were weekends away uh, because I was you know, playing out of town. And one of the band members in this particular band, uh, now I kid you not, they would always try to tempt me to just drink with them. And uh, I think I shared last week, I'm, I'm old school. I'm a Christian that doesn't drink, okay? And that's just me. And this one person, they were so persistent to try and make me drink with them because, man, they would say, look, there's only us, there's only the band. They were a bit tipsy by then. And, you know, no one would know because it would be just out band secret. You know what stays in the band, stays on tour, you know? It's just us. And you're not getting drunk. You know, it was only one drink. I mean, my life as a Christian, learned to have self-control because God taught me to live like that over time. <laughs> yes, you may think, well, that was easy for you. Not in the beginning of my life, giving my life to Jesus. But it was a journey. You know, this week I was encouraged by an amazing couple. I don't know if they're here today, Justin and, and Bahi. And the things God has been taking them through these last few months and, you know, their newborn son, um, re- renovations of their beautiful house and, and their business they own and that they run. And when I left their house, when I was hanging out with them a few days ago, you know, I was driving, I was driving back home and I reflected back to their wedding I think it was 2014. And this, back then, this newly married couple, those many years ago, and now, here I was, I'm sitting with them, and I'm seeing what God has done in their lives. And everyone there, every time, you know, we caught up over the years, and even on that day, all I constantly would hear from Justin's mouth, right, is how he takes everything to God even when situations may not align with what is, you know, what his world around him looks like. Man, there's just something, you know, he's so humbled, he would say, where God has taken him today with him and his family. And every time I, 
would sit in the past and when I sat with them this week, uh, over the years, I can't not be anything else but inspired by, by the way they live and how they have made choices for their life and their lives since being married. None of it, let me tell you, none of it has been easy for them. But they have been willing to, to be taught to live in God's grace. When they've been taught, then there's something that they have to do now. <laughs> they have to live it out. Will you be willing to go down that road when it comes your way? When it's time to represent Jesus for 2020? I don't know what that looks like for you, but God's grace will and it can motivate you to live differently than the world. Differently to family, differently to friends, differently to work colleagues because of his grace. Let me read these verses again so I can add the final part of the letter and that I want to share about as I close. I'll bring it all up here. I said these first two, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all people. Grace it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live self-controlled and uprightly and godly lives while we wait for the blessed hope which is the appearance of the glory of Jesus, the one who redeemed us from all wickedness and purified um, for himself a people that are his own, zealous to do what is good. You know, another thing God's grace teaches is it teaches us to wait for the blessed hope, which is the appearance of the glory of Jesus. I shared about, you know, earlier, verse 11, how Jesus appeared. He appeared in human form to bring salvation to all people. Now, when we read this part, uh, you know, the other word, uh, the word appearance, in uh, verse 12 of this letter, this is actually Jesus coming to earth again to appear a second time. But this time, he's going to appear in all his glory, bringing salvation to his people. And sad to say, he'll be also coming in all his glory to bring judgment to those who don't believe in him. And the Bible is clear that there are two separate final destinations for all people. Those who, by God's grace, they believe in Jesus as Savior, you know, will receive eternal life with him. And then there are those who do not believe in Jesus, will pay the penalty of eternal separation from God and damnation. Yet until then, we all have the opportunity to make things right with God so that we can have confidence in living victorious lives here and now. God's sanctified grace, it saves us. And then it trains us and it motivates us. It motivates us to be godly people in this present age. Zealous for good deeds. And as we look for the appearance, right, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus, who gave himself for us, until then, when he comes, until then, 
we got work to do. Live your life. Live your life hard for him. That's your journey. That's your time. And some of us in this room may be man, on, on a high for God and doing so well. You, st- you still need to, to be worked on. And then there's some of us in here, we feel we don't feel worthy. Well, you're in the right place. You're here. Hearing something that God may be talking to you about right now. And so don't leave this lightly. You know, and, and don't neglect what has been said this morning in regards to a sanctified grace. Let's pray.